Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be reading the memory card and talking about Tony Hawk Pro Skater for the PlayStation 1. I'm Katie. I'm Chris. We're queued up and ready to go, so let's talk games. So we are on episode 008. I mean, episode 8. Episode 8 is kind of an exciting number because this is the average episode that podcasts end because people give up. So, way, we've made it to the average point. We're average! Yay! <laughs> Woohoo! So we're trying to get better about asking what you all think of our game of the episode before we actually record. So uh, let's get some thoughts on Tony Hawk Pro Skater from you, the listeners. Yeah, we threw this out on Facebook and Instagram. We had, I think, at least three different comments just about the music. Tom, he just said in all caps, so here I am doing everything I can. Yeah. Producer Lisa's favorite song. Some other comments we got on our Facebook page. Nick said, lying on the living room floor, playing it for hours because I'd injured my back and couldn't skate for real. (laughs) Those were the days. We're going to talk about this a little bit later, but this game did seem to really capture the authenticness of skating. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a perfect example of someone who could not skate for real because of an injury. And so in the meantime, played some Tony Hawk, which is awesome. And then another comment we got on Facebook was our friend Sanjay saying that he played the warehouse demo 72 times because his parents were too cheap to get him the full game. And then he talked about how his dad actually ended up getting him this N64 game instead of the PlayStation game <laughs> because to him, as to many parents of his generation, everything was Nintendo. <laughs> That's a great story. He also mentioned a another naughty multiplayer thing that people do. Force resetting the console when his friend was about to beat his high score. <laughs> that is absolutely evil. It's so evil. That's so calculated. It is. But I love it. I, I am all about that. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, a buddy of mine, Knees. He talked about the music, just the ridiculous amount of music that it exposed him to, which is definitely, we're, we're both in the same boat, like just listening to that like skate punk, mm-hmm. skate pop punk and, and ska almost for the first time a lot of times. And he said, shattering the glass in the warehouse, realizing that nothing was off limits. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, that that interaction with the environment, which necessarily wasn't there before. Yeah. But kind of speaking of interacting with the environment, while we didn't quite make our following goals, we'll still, we'll hold, we'll extend it a little bit maybe if people are nice and follow us soon. But unfortunately, Kyle still tried to skateboard. And he also interacted with the environment in ways that affected him for weeks. <laughs> what happened to producer Kyle? On the very first time when he was supposed to be just looking at some boards to see if he wanted to get one, he came home with a massive cut on his elbow in that classic place of when you hit the ground with your elbow. The massive, like, strawberry on your elbow. Mm-hmm. And then also rib pain for two weeks. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure my first comment was, you need to learn how to fall. Yeah, it was great because um, producer Lisa happened to be on video camera with us when he came back and sees me putting Band-Aids on him. And so we just get this (laughs) message from her being like, did he already hurt himself? The answer is yes. 
I yes, figured he out did. how to fall really fast. It's true. You gotta you gotta you gotta work on that. You gotta learn how to fall you gotta learn how to fall well. So Chris, how did your skating endeavor go? Skateboarding was awful. I was okay on flatland old school type tricks. Trying to actually do like pop shovets or, or kick flips. I was never that was never what I was actually good at. I just liked riding around and Could you even Ollie? Sort of. <laughs> I know. Not very well. And here am I, this 35-year-old man. I'm putting on all my pads and my helmet. I was like, don't judge me. And I skated around for maybe a good 30 minutes, fell a couple times, like, splayed out my back, fall a couple times. I'm still mad you didn't record any of that. How dare you? I really wanted to at least try to get my feet under stuff again before I recorded. Like, no, I brought no, I brought the little no, stand. that wasn't the point. The point was for us to see you fail. That's... Absolutely. A fair point. If there weren't a ton of children running around that skate park, I probably would have been more willing to do that. But unfortunately... I'm just excuses. I know. But thank you, everyone, who has liked the, uh, all of our social media. Thank you for interacting with us, as always. Please keep it up. We are going to be better about this. We're trying more and more, but we love hearing from you. We love interacting with you all. So thank you for joining us. But now I think it's time to uh, get to our first and maybe one of our favorite segments of the day, Chris. It's time for Video Game Trope of the Day. Trope of the Day! Oh, getting creative with it. All right, Katie, what is our trope of the day? Well, this episode's trope of the day is impossible physics. Uh, sometimes called, I would say, game video game physics in general, but we're looking at a more general impossible physics. So this would be when a character in game, but more specifically the developers working on the game, decide that it's sometimes okay to give the middle finger to science. And that's rude. Because physics are hard, especially if you're designing an engine from the ground up. Fair enough. So some examples. The first one I always like to think of is while no matter, you might get some special, amazing, super secret assassin training, you cannot jump off a giant building and land in a hay bale and survive it. Sorry, not sorry. The, 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 the body to ground physics means you're dead. I mean, that's a lot of Assassin's Creed, like where you could just jump across an alleyway and grab onto a ledge and not rip your shoulders out of your sockets. Absolutely. So that's that might be more instead of physics, physiology in that sense, but still. Yeah, it's, like, it's a little bit of both, yeah. Another good example is this episode's game. The Tony Hawk series is pretty good at ignoring a lot of physics. They have a lot of good physics in there, but then there's like no friction at all in the first few games, if you notice. Like you could just keep skating forever and you can go up rails without any sort of momentum at all. And yeah, you know, Newton's laws were kind of Newton's suggestions for <laughs> for the first couple games. Yeah, that's a fair way of putting it. And I think uh, another one, this is across all video game franchises. Well, uh, many, many video game franchises, let's say. The idea of a double jump. No. No, you cannot jump once you are in the air. You, you that's not how that, that works. that Looney Tunes isn't correct? Shockingly. You can't run off a cliff and just kind of stand there and, and look at the camera before you fall. Jack and Dexter absolutely used this and absolutely was wrong. Oh, yeah. Time. 
but this doesn't just apply to characters. It can also apply to things like steering a car while midair, because that happens in a lot of games, weirdly. Yeah, GTA liked that. Just Cause liked that. Uh, Burnout loved that a lot, too. Like, yeah, you you jump in the air and you could steer your car in the air. That was like one of the main mechanics of Burnout is moving your car once it's in the air. Oh, yeah. And that's that kind of goes into another trope, the, the rule of cool. It's like, well, we're just going to make this more fun. Yeah, most of these, to be fair, are 100% intentional choices of like, well, it's just easier if you don't worry about those kind of things. And I get that. Yeah. But it is kind of funny to just be like, nope, that's not how physics works. Back to our, our game of the episode with Tony Hawk. You can be going down a hill and if you hit the stop button, you just stop like within like inches. Oh, yeah. They, they definitely had a better a better physics model in the later games, but certainly in the first Tony Hawk, it was just kind of incredibly arbitrary, like, hold down button to go faster. Yeah, and I think, I think that's exactly why, you know, it's more noticeable in games like Tony Hawk, because while there is such things, as you said, the rule of cool and video game physics, it's, it's the games that try to be realistic, then it looks more obvious when you're not realistic, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, impossible physics. They're in most video games out there, but I think they're a little bit more apparent in our realistic style video games. But yeah, that's our video game trope of the day. Trope of the day! Sound effect, sound effect, sound effect. So, that brings us to this episode's main game. Chris, tell me a little bit about Tony Hawk Pro Skater. So, Tony Hawk Pro Skater was released in 99 for the original PlayStation. It was made by Neversoft. It was a PlayStation exclusive. Eventually, they did port it to the 64, the Game Boy Color, the Dreamcast, and the N-Gage for some reason, I guess? Yeah. But we are going to be focusing really on the PS1 today, just because that's the version we played. And to be fair, the especially... Engage and Game Boy and Color ones don't count in my opinion. Agreed. I just like the idea that Tony Hawk actually went and periodically played the game during the build to keep giving feedback. Yeah. Also, the man was smart when it came to Activision was the publisher and they basically tried to say, hey, Tony, we'll pay you a one-time fee and we can own your name and your image for all of these video games. And he was like, nah, fam, I want royalties. And instead got royalties on every game sold. And within the first two years, he earned about 20 times what they would have paid him in the flat fee. So I appreciate that. Tony Hawk is the man, by the way. So this game kind of came about after uh, Sega put out Top Skater and EA put out Street Skater. Activision went and said, we want a skateboard game as well. So they kind of went to Neversoft and said, give us a skateboard game. And they actually ended up building this game kind of in the engine of a third-person shooter called Apocalypse that starred Bruce Willis. Hilarious. And if you kind of go look at the screenshots of that game, you're like, oh, yeah, like I could definitely see. And it's kind of impressive that they managed to turn that into a skating game. I found a, a fun little fact when I was looking into this game. Apparently the devs used to go to this bowling alley that was near the studio and play uh, an arcade game called Top Skater. Apparently they like played that during lunch to get inspiration for the game. I thought that was really cool. 
I, I think it's uh, really interesting how Tony Hawk didn't become involved until they'd had like a basic platform of the game. And then they wanted to, of course, bring in a name. He was easily the biggest name in skating. So they approached him to put his name on. And he did more than just put his name on. He was involved with the development. He would go in every once in a while and play through the game and test it out and give feedback and then tell them like what's good and what's bad about certain aspects of the game. And he was also the one who kind of, I think, reached out and got the other skaters involved and chose what other skaters should be in the game with him, which is, is pretty cool. So he, this was more than just him stamping his name on it and walking away. He was involved in the production of this, at least original game, and it sounds like the later games too. Yeah. So this game did pretty well. It got a 92 out of 100 on Metacritic. Game ranking had it at a 94 out of 100. For individual reviews, IGN gave it a 9.4 out of 10. GameSpot gave it a 9.3 out of 10. And Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it an 8.38 out of 10. And I hate them. 3.8? As soon as I saw that score, I was like, well, I have to point this score out because Chris You did that on purpose. Yes, I did. Absolutely added that on purpose to screw with you. (laughs) 8.38? Like, just go, go an 84 out of 100. Like, why would you do that? God. Eight, three, uh, let's see, roll 2d6, <laughs> three, eight, there we go. There you go. It's definitely become one of the most popular skating franchises out there. So they changed it up a couple of times when they had Underground and... American Wasteland. American Wasteland was like the newest ones, and then Ride, the stupid game where you actually got a skateboard. Which absolutely tanked the franchise. Project 8, that was the weird one where you could control the board... So, we've talked about the game as a whole, but why are we doing this game for this episode? As with almost every game we're going to be talking about here, it's it's definitely been a game that we played and loved when we were younger. Yeah, we definitely played this a ton. It was a game that got me into skating. It was definitely the time period that, you know, we watched the X Games and we're watching it on the X Games and then playing the game yeah. and getting into skateboarding through that. So that was a lot of fun. The other reason we're covering this game in this episode is because it kind of came back to the f- top of the list as they just released the remake of Tony Hawk 1 and Tony Hawk 2 combined on the newest systems now. So they redid the whole thing and put it out, which is kind of the other reason we wanted to cover it now and be kind of timely. And I really wanted to play it, the remake, because the original has such a fun place in my memory. Exactly. So we're kind of almost timely on this one, which is fun. But yeah, we wanted to play the remake. We wanted to play the original before playing the remake again to make sure that we didn't kind of get our uh, perspective on the original tinted too much by our playthrough of a remake. So that's why we're covering this episode. And we're often picking games that we really like, but this one definitely was a favorite in the household. We're only eight episodes in, so we have the luxury of picking a lot of games that we liked to play. Yeah, just wait till next episode. <laughs> Spoilers. Anyway, um, I think this is enough intro to the game. I think it's time to move back to the past and go in see what we had thought before we got to play the game, look through our rose-tinted glasses at our memories. So I think it's time to play that Chi Ocarina of Time. Sick. Gnarly. Cowabunga. Cowabunga, yes. <laughs>
And as you know, that music means you are now back in the past with us before we had a chance to play a game. So it's time for the Rose Tinted Glasses segment. We are going to pre-record before we play it again so we could try to get our thoughts down before we do the main segment of the podcast to see what we can remember about this game. So, Katie, what do you remember? So I think I've said this about a lot of the games we've played thus far, um, and I think partly due to the background I think we both have in life, but one of the first things I always think of is the music for Tony Hawk. I credit Tony Hawk as one of the reasons I think I fell in love with ska and punk music. Yeah, my first three notes... My first bullet point, I should say, is music, 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 followed up by I only know about two minutes worth of the songs. Yeah, no, you only know, like, because the levels were, yeah, short, but I, it was my introduction to skater punk and ska music, and I have loved it ever since, and I, I definitely credit Tony Hawk for that. But I think it's funny because I think Tony Hawk was one of those early games where once this first game did really well, other bands wanted to be on the soundtracks. It was a big deal when you're oh, yeah. on the soundtrack because it could make your band or not. And other games have started doing that as well. But I, I Tony Hawk to me was that like first game that really I'm gonna did I'm going to put you on that. the spot. How many songs can you name from the original soundtrack? Go. Oh, no. Um, Real Big Fish Take On Me, I'm pretty sure was on there. Nope. Really? Nope. It was a real big fish song. Which one? It, it wasn't. What? Yeah. Well, okay, fine. I, Goldfinger Superman was on there. Absolutely. Um. Oh God. I know. I. I I'm not trying to make you feel terrible <sighs> because it's that's the point of this this segment, right? Like it's a broad segment. This goes back to I can't remember more than the first levels. You just yeah. remember the idea of a lot of it. Yeah. No, that's true. Goldfinger, absolutely. By the no, way. No, and, and Superman specifically. I know it was Superman. Yes. But. It's one of those things that I'm sure once I start listening to the music, I could sing along every single word and I would know all of it. Oh, absolutely. I've cheated because I've made this playlist before in <laughs> years past because it's been so good. Yes. And it's it's been a couple of years, so try to think. So yeah, Superman, Jerry was a race car driver. That's a big yes, one. Yes, Jerry was a race car. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was a dead... No, there wasn't a dead Kennedy song. There was no, the, there wasn't. There's the Ernie's Here and Now, which I absolutely love that song. Oh, good call. Um, And I made this big deal, and now I can't remember either. Lol. So we're... <laughs> we're going to have to call ourselves out later. I know. Because we're not looking it up now. No. Yeah, so the music definitely stuck out to me. Obviously, it stuck out to you. We say that about a lot of video games, but this is the first video game where it is an outside soundtrack in the sense it wasn't made for the game. These right. were bands yeah. that these songs already existed. They might not have been popular, but the songs already existed. And so that was a huge part of it. And I, I really enjoyed the music. It just made me happy playing. I didn't mind hearing it over and over again because I really liked the music. So. Yeah. And I definitely did things over and over again because it, I wasn't terrible at this game, I don't think. But it was just the whole point of some of these levels was you were to play them over and over again to get the different aspects, to get skate, all the letters of skate, or to get the certain things. And because there's only two minutes per level, like, yes. so you had to do them over and over again. That's that's one thing I remember. I remember the skate. There was like you had to get a certain number of points, yes. I think, right? Yeah. Uh, you might have had to do, there's probably level specific things. Yeah, it was like, like grind on a certain thing yeah. or do a certain thing here. Yeah, so there was always objectives for every level. I don't remember a lot of the levels. I remember the first one. So I don't, I know there was a mall. 
And I remember San Francisco. Okay. Because all I could think of was that, that original skate park. Yeah, and the skate park. Yeah, yeah. And then the first thing that came to my brain after that was the school. Mm, yeah. I, I remember San Francisco specifically because they had um, uh, Lombard Street. Oh, of course. And I remember because you could go down it and you could ramp yeah. off of it. And I remember being so impressed when actually going to Lombard Street after that. And be like, oh, God, I know what this looks like because of Tony Hawk. <laughs> yeah, they did a pretty good job of researching locations. I think in this game they started and then in the later games, they really specifically tried to build the worlds as, as accurately as they could for a while. This is really hard because there's been so many Tony Hawk games. And, and we played, we played, played all of them. Of them. Yeah. yeah. So it's really hard to pick out, especially pick out the first one because i feel like there was there was some flaws i i of course kind of remember but not not at the time right i feel like no i know what uh each each skater only had one special move that was one thing that's right that's right i forgot about that but they had i will say there was like some they try to be as accurate as possible like the skaters had their sponsors that they actually had in real life would often be their sponsors oh that was yeah that was a big deal with them yeah and, you know, there was one girl, if I remember correctly. I forget her name. Oh, yeah. I forget her, too. Obviously, Tony Hawk. Bucky Lassick. Bucky Lassick. Because I think he's from, like, Baltimore, I think. Is he? I might have been making that up. Like, Bucky was there, uh, Tony Hawk, uh, Bob? Bob, Bob Burnquist. Bob Burnquist. Thank you. I don't remember if it was this game or, again, again we were probably mixing up Tony Hawk games. That later on, like, you could do certain achievements and you'd unlock videos. Like, you'd unlock skate videos of the pro skater. Um, and I always thought was really cool. Yeah, that might have been this one. But I do remember one of them, like, you could basically, when you, like, did a certain thing with those skaters, like, you could yeah. unlock their pro videos. And there were some really good videos in there. Like, I liked it. I remember playing this game and then watching a lot of X Games made me think I knew about skating which I really knew nothing about skating. I mean, this was probably the game that made me pick up a skateboard. I, I believe it. Yeah, and I won't say become a skateboarder because I wasn't a very good one, but I rode around on a skateboard and skates for a long time in, in middle and high school, yeah. This game made me think I was actually knowledgeable about skating and about the, watching the X Games being like, I know who that is. Like, yeah, I know who this I is. I know what that move is. I know what that move is. Bob Burnquist retired from the X Games in 2017. Good lord. He is an ageless wonder. Yes. Yeah. Same thing with Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk is a national treasure. I think, you remember, I think we played the demo for this a ton before we actually bought the game. Yeah. I, it just was, again, it was another one of those games you could just pick up and you didn't have to stress about, like, playing a ton. You could play a little bit. You could play a lot. It was definitely not something I ever felt, like, stressed about, even though there was quote-unquote plot there was things to do i don't know if there was a plot in this game well, i don't yeah, maybe think not plot, like, but maybe it was going like, forward yeah, yeah yeah you had to go through like levels just yeah yeah not plot but levels yeah i don't think there's an actual plot plot until underground but it was it was two minutes at a time yeah so like you could play it for for as little as long as you wanted and that was definitely super it was frustrating i'm pretty sure like <laughs> because you had so many goals to do yeah, and you couldn't get them all in one go, basically. Yeah. You had to get them at different times. Yeah. I think the other thing is, the other reason this game was kind of interesting is you could kind of get away with a certain amount of button mashing. Like, not a lot. Only on the kick tricks. Right, I remember panicking and being like, button, button, yeah. button, button. 
And yeah. that definitely was a part of my playing style to start with. I remember being awful at grinding, which I never really got good at. So I don't remember if the first game had the balance mechanic along with the grinding, which I think it did. I think it did, but it didn't have like the little indication. Yeah. It was just you kind of had to figure it out. Maybe. Because later they had the, the, what was it? The mutes when you hop on your board and you put it between your legs and you basically like pogo stick on your board. I forget there's a yeah, certain. Yeah, and there's, there, there was all the other skills like. that came with that. But that came in later games. I know that wasn't in the initial game. Yeah. But I also remember, and I'm assuming it was in the first game. It might not have been. There was a cheat that let you perfect balance both the grinds and that. And that was like my favorite cheat of all time. That was definitely my like go-to cheat. It was a cheat, of course, because you didn't have to balance yourself. I was just. One last thing, I just could not handle dealing with all of it. And that was the one thing I remember I always... I don't remember if in this first game they had a cheat for it, but I know in later ones they did. And I definitely use that cheat all the time. I'm pretty sure there's no manualing in this game Manual, yet. that's the term. I kept... I was calling it mute, but it's manual. Yes, yes. I don't know that manuals definitely came at least in two, if not later. Yeah. You couldn't manual, which was a way to uh, combo stuff. You couldn't revert. That's the other one. That was such a cheeky way to extend your combo. None of that was in the first one, I'm pretty sure. But I, th- I think the thing with Tony Hawk, it's, it's interesting too, because yeah, we're talking about the things that they added in later games, but it's hard to remember yeah. because you liked them all so much. And as they got better, you can't exactly remember when they added this one mechanic that made things so much better. Absolutely. But it, I never felt like the first games were lacking. No. I didn't get frustrated and think that they needed to make it better. Right. But when they added those later things, you're like, how did I live without this? So I have to appreciate how much I didn't feel like the early game was lacking, even though it clearly was in comparison to later games. If we can drill down to the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater for the PlayStation 1, what is your rose-tinted score? So I think my my rose-tinted score, the score I would have given it when we had originally played the very first game, I would say I'd give it an 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed playing it. I remember, like, it was not a game that stressed me out at all. It was a game that you and I could play together a lot, and I never got mad for losing. Um, I, I think a solid, it wasn't my favorite game, but I just really liked it, so not solid 8 out of 10. What about you? What would you give it for your rose-tinted score, Chris? I think my rose-tinted score is going to be probably way higher than it has any right to be, because I'm pretty sure, again, this is the game that got me into skating and skateboarding and skate punk and ska, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. In my brain, I'm pretty sure the Rose Tinted score is going to be a 9 out of 10. And that is trying not to mix it up with other games, but I don't think that's possible. So yeah. knowing that, once we go back and play it, what do you think your score is going to be with this game in complete isolation from all the other Tony Hawk games? Yeah, I think because of that, it's going to drop significantly because I'm going to remember things that I can't do in this version of the game that when I first played it, I could do or I didn't know I needed to do or wanted to do. So it's probably going to drop to a six out of 10, I'd say. I, yeah, I just think that knowing more of how much better it could be, I think the original is going to frustrate me a lot more. Uh, what about you? What are you going to give it? I thought I was actually going to be the really cynical one and give it a six out of 10 as well. <laughs> Because that's that's in my brain the same thing. Like I know there's been all these other Tony Hawk games since then, and they've gotten so much better. So I feel right. like judged against all of those, 
that this game is probably not going to hold up very well, as much as it has yeah. a a dear place in our hearts. Okay. So looks like we're both being cynics and mean, and we think that the replay of the original game is not going to live up to our expectations and our memories. However, this time around, because we're going to try to be timely about this for once, well, we have a really interesting opportunity where the remake of the original Tony Hawk 1 and 2 is coming out for PlayStation 4 and all of the new modern systems. And so we're going to try to play the remake as well. So now we're going to do an extra score of Chris how do you think the new game, the remake of the game, will be rated? What do you think the new game will feel like? I'm hoping that they've tried to at least get some of the, not terrible mechanics, but some of the finicky mechanics better because they've got this opportunity. I would really love for them to just make this a little bit tighter of a version of the original game, like kind of apply some of that newer stuff to the original game. I'm hoping it can raise the predicted six to maybe an eight, but yeah. I'm not sure. What do you what do you what are you thinking? I've actually been trying to avoid almost all the reviews from this because I knew we were trying to to rush into this review. So I I was as well. I have not read enough about what kind of remake this is, whether it's just a we've painted on fresh graphics remake or if this is a we tried to upgrade everything about it kind of remake. Because if it's an upgrade everything and then they added those mechanics that came in later games into the original games, which they could easily do, yeah, I think it definitely could be a higher score. If they just made it pretty graphics, it could still be just as frustrating. I'm going to hope that it's, as much as they're talking about it, I'm going to hope it's a better remake. And so I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to still give it a seven and a half. I'm going to still be a little bit cynical. I think the remake will be a seven and a half. My biggest fear, ironically, with the remake is they might not have been able to get rights to all the songs again. And so if the soundtrack isn't as good as the original, that's disappointing. Good point. The fact that this is going to be Tony Hawk 1 and 2 in the same pack makes me think at least they'll take some of the mechanics from 2 and apply them to 1. I think that's the best case scenario because there's no way they're going to rewrite the entire engine i'm far too cynical to think that they would invest the time to redo the engine for these games but we'll see i'm fully willing to be surprised by this i've got the original playstation version from from we grew up we are going to play the original i think you yeah you got a a copy right yes but we are probably going to play it we will either play it on the ps2 or ps3 we are not going to be playing it on a ps1 Yes, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know where our PS1 is. I'm going to try to play it on the PS2. Hopefully my little uh, PS2 to HDMI will handle it. So, okay, we have a unusual three scores coming out of this rose-tinted section going back to the future. So we're both excited to play both the original game as well as the remake. So I think we're ready to go. You ready, Chris? Drop in, bro! Hit that skate! What?! I panicked. (laughs) Keeping all of that, please. Grind, bro. (laughs) The worst part is I I literally skateboarded for like a good decade. So I should know better. No. No, you shouldn't. Hit that skate, bro. Good lord. So, bro, or sis, we have made the spine transfer back into the present. 
which means we are going to talk about the game after we've played it as we land what did you think about the game now that we've gone back and played it again um <laughs> bro jesus <laughs> I think going back to the game, we were pretty accurate in our rose-tinted score that there was no plot in the original game. You just go through level by level. Mm -hmm. There are VHS tapes that you collect in every level that are based on challenges. Uh, we didn't know, we didn't remember the tape part of it, but we remember the challenges. Definitely forgot that they were tapes. Which kind of makes sense because they're skate tapes and that's a big thing. We got a lot of the levels correct as well. We remembered the school and the mall, San Francisco. So we hit a lot of the big ones. It's exactly what I remembered it as and it was just as fun as I remembered it. I had a lot of fun playing this game still. What about you? I definitely forgot that they were tapes, which is crazy because that was kind of a, a critical part of skating culture back then is that's how you that's how you kind of learn. That's how you saw new tricks, right? Was to, to get VHS tapes. And that's how you got exposure was recording your own personal tape of you doing tricks. So yeah, they were VHS tapes that you got. And so you would accumulate VHS tapes. And then when you got enough, you would open up a new level. And then every once in a while you would have a competition where you would be, it was a slightly different style there and you had to earn medals in the competitions. And basically at the end of the game, uh, you can get through the whole game without completing all of the tapes and you could getting by with only like, you know, bronze medals in the competitions and it would show you a pro skater tape, except if you didn't complete the game properly, your pro skater tape was everyone falling all the time. I believe that's called bales in the skater right. vernacular. They were bales. But the, the other thing we got right were a lot of the levels we remembered were correct. There's the warehouse, mm -hmm. the school, the Chicago skate park, the mall, San Francisco. We remembered a lot of those. And there were some other levels we didn't remember, like Roswell was the final mm -hmm. level. Yeah, That's the final definitely forgot about that one. Uh, Portland is another competition. Downtown, I think Minneapolis was one of the areas you go to. Downhill Jam we forgot about. Don't I think more of we consciously chose to forget about Downhill Jam. Just blocked that out, out of our minds because definitely as soon as it was like, you need two more tapes to unlock Downhill Jam, my brain just went, oh, God, yeah, that level. Down, downhill Jam. Ugh. So a bunch of those levels that we go through and you kind of play your way through. So we were correct on that. But going a little bit more, Chris, on, on about the different challenges, tapes. What, how did you have to earn the tapes? So each level, as you said, had five tapes. So they had uh, two score tapes for each level so it was a high score and a pro score they didn't call it that in the original screen which it threw me off when i went back to make the notes for this episode so you had those two scores you had like a lower score which was the high <laughs> i'm gonna say lower score was the high score and the higher score was the pro score we'll just go with that that's yeah. how that works uh and then you had to collect skate so the five letters of skate were scattered throughout the level they were typically like on top of a rail or, or high in the air above a ramp. So you had to collect those. Uh, and then you had kind of a fetch quest type thing. So it was things like uh, in the first level, you had to smash a bunch of boxes. And in the second level, you had to grind a bunch of tables, stuff like that. Yeah. And it was always five of those items, I'm pretty sure. And then you also had a hidden tape, 
which was just a tape that was literally floating somewhere in the level. You had to find it. They were they gave you a picture uh-huh. of it, and they, so you had a general idea of where the hidden tape would be, but then you would have to find it. Normally, they were in the very difficult-to-get places, mm-hmm. of course, on the maps. So that was the basics of three-quarters of the levels, and then you had three competitions, as you said, which pretty much functioned like normal skate competitions. So you had three heats, and each heat was a minute long, and yeah, each heat you had a score from, I think, five or six judges, and that was compared against the other uh, fictional competitors, and the total score was what you were essentially judged on, so you needed to be in the top three. Right, so this was part of the game mechanics of you earned points by doing tricks, of course, and combos would multiply the tricks, and mm-hmm. and then you had special moves that you had to basically land tricks, fill up a special meter, and then you could have special moves that were assigned to different skaters. And so in the competitions, the way you would get higher scores is getting higher points, of course, but you also had to make sure you didn't fall because the more times you fell, the lower your score would be. But again, this is where in real skate competition, diversity of tricks and diversity of where you do the tricks matters. In the game, they can't really do where, so that they it kind of applied throughout the whole game where if you did a trick and let's say you did a kickflip and it was 100 points, if you kept doing kickflips, it would drop by points. It would then go to 75 points and then 50 points and then 25 points. So it tried to encourage you to do different types of tricks over and over again. And the competitions also were part of that as well. And that kind of leads me to the skaters themselves. There were a bunch of different skaters available and we did remember quite a few of them. I didn't remember Elisa's name, but there was one female skater. And of course, Tony Hawk and Bob Burnquest was the other one remembered. So they did have all the different skaters. And I think the interesting thing with the skaters is, so just like in real life, skaters have specialties. Some are street skaters, some are vert skaters. And so that's definitely something that they used in the game as well. And that really popped up with the competitions, producer Kyle and I noticed, because for us at least, it was a lot more difficult to chain together combos or to get high points on a street skater in some of those competition courses. Like the Chicago one, they just wasn't a lot of street skating, so it was hard. The, the grinds ran out of points a lot faster mm-hmm. than a lot of the vert tricks, so it was a lot easier to get those high scores on the vert tricks. However, if you're like me and you're using a street skater, they fall more often because they're a street skater, so they're not meant to do a bunch of vert stuff, so it's a lot harder to land tricks for them in the vert, and that got really frustrating that like she couldn't rack up as many combos as I wanted her to, essentially. So when we say vert, we're talking about kind of like half pipes, quarter pipes, the big ramps where you shoot into the air and you're typically doing big grab and rotation tricks. You had circle was your grab tricks, which is when you physically grab the board and you spun around a lot, whereas opposed to flip tricks, uh, that was square, I should say, was things like a kickflip or a, or an impossible, stuff like that. And that was way easier to do. And then there was also grinds and you could do lip tricks with triangle. Right. So like things like the the flip tricks and the grinds were more your flat land. You're going from a rail to another rail. So you would kind of combo it that way. And that's how you racked up points as opposed to vert, where you would spin around a lot. And that's how you got your, your big tricks. And that's that's super funny because I almost thought the opposite of what you were saying is I had a way harder time with the vert stuff. And I think that's because I was kind of used to a feature that's in future games where you can chain vert tricks together via a, a revert and a manual, which didn't exist in this game. So I, I thought that was, yeah. We talked about it a bit in the Rose Tinted Glasses that uh, we're pre- pretty sure that the revert and manuals didn't exist in Tony Hawk 1. 
They didn't. We were correct on that. The number of times that I tried to manual, even before I played the the remake, was incredibly frustrating. I kept hitting R2, which was how you revert in later games, and not realizing, why am I doing this after yeah. every time I land? And I realized <laughs> that's how you revert, which is how you extend your combo. Yeah, that's also how you transfer in the newer games. It was definitely interesting, the muscle memory that it carried over from later games and going back to playing this original game again. But getting back to like just playing through the game, we said there's five tapes per level and the developers actually spoke specifically saying they were influenced by Mario 64 and the stars in that game and how you had a level and there were a certain amount of stars per level. And so that's where they got the concept of the tapes was that they had, they saw that and they're like, we're going to do something like that, but we're going to turn it skater. And I think that's a really cool thing about the game itself. They really did want it to feel like a skating game. This wasn't just, they, they pasted skaters onto it. The music, which we talked about in the Rose Tinted was skater punk music. Music was just as good as I remembered. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. The only thing I, and, and we actually were both wrong because the dead Kennedys absolutely were on the nope, original soundtrack nope, we thought nope. they weren't we're gonna go again what's this Wii stuff no no you did too what oh what i didn't realize and maybe i didn't remember until i did free skater mode for a bit was it's not just that you only play two minutes of the song because there's only because there's only two minutes mm -hmm. around it's that they literally only put two minutes of each song into the well, game well that's the easy way to do that right so if you go into free skate mode it plays the two minutes and then ends and then starts it at the start again because it's the same song on repeat. So it's this first two minutes of the song on repeat over. It's just baffling. But the music was just as good. It fit. It made the game feel more, almost more quote unquote authentic mm -hmm. because of that. Because it just, it felt like that's what the game would want. Like, is that kind of music? That's what you'd be listening to. And, you know, I enjoyed it just as much the second time around. As hilarious it was, that it was only, the, literally only the first two minutes. I definitely had fun playing through it again. I think it helped that the first thing we did was we played the original before I played the remake, which I think we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later. The game wasn't perfect. There were definitely things I still had frustrations with as often as I fell, because sometimes I would see it look like I should land and for whatever reason I fell. And that would get really, really frustrating. Or I swore I hit a certain combo and the combo wouldn't go through. Now that happens in every game, like fighting games in this game. There were, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. The controls were also turning around in this game was not easy at times. You mean like, like, like actually turning the board? A U-turn. I missed the letter. Let me turn around and get it. And good Lord, trying to get them to turn around, like their turning radius was terrible. But I still genuinely enjoyed it. And I really liked, we played some two-player mode again. And I remembered all the two-player modes and it was so much fun. Because there was uh, graffiti. Graffiti, horse, and just tricks. Yeah, I played a bunch of those with producer Lisa. So there's graffiti mode, which is, again, you're given two minutes and you have to do tricks on the equipment in whatever level you are, and you color it whatever color you are, blue or red. And so you wanna claim the most objects in the level, and you can steal an object from someone if you get a higher score on it. I mean, I would definitely win graffiti because I would go around and do giant grinds on like seven different things, and it would be a seven combo because I managed to somehow grind like seven things. I think producer Lisa typically beat me in graffiti. Then the second mode was horse. In this version, it's one person would go get a, a point score in a certain area. You were given like 10, 15 mm -hmm. seconds. Like yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't long. 
And it, it was one trick, one combo if you got lucky. And then the second person would have to get a higher score and then you'd get the chance to beat that. And you could go back and forth and whoever finally fails to get the score gets a letter. And it was horse because I remember you can add extra letters if you want to prolong yeah. the game. And so the easy thing to do was just add a bunch of A's at the end because it was the, so it was always horse. <laughs> <laughs> and of course as children, also, the first couple letters would pop up and you'd yeah. I won't say them because we are going to be polite, but that would be <laughs> But yeah, no, Horsa. And then, of course, the final multiplayer was just who has the highest right. score at the end of two minutes. Producer Kyle pointed out another physics-breaking element of, of the U-turn, which was that if you hit a wall, like going like one mile an hour, it would just flip you around immediately and shoot you away from the wall at like 10 miles an hour. It was kind of funny. Which I feel like they addressed in later games by adding a wall plant. So that was your physics breaking bug where instantly you transfer all of your forward momentum to the other direction just by hitting your hand against it and pushing away exactly which was another thing you couldn't do in this game but overall though even with all of that now that we kind of have a great idea of the game we've kind of alluded to it as we've been talking so far because what was your just genuine impression of the game as playing it again i'm not gonna say i enjoyed the heck out of it because Producer Lisa has told me that I'm not allowed to say that anymore. Fair. But I enjoyed the heck out of it. <laughs> I had so much fun with this game again, especially since we played it first before for the remake. Uh, I think that was super, super important, but it was a ton of fun. It was going through those old levels again, like especially the warehouse and the school, especially as you kind of said, just remembered where everything was. Like, I could almost do those in, in one two-minute session after I kind of got the hang of it, yeah. If I wasn't terrible at times, I could have done it. I really struggled with the point scores, but I could find, like, the tables and the skate and, like, those kind of yeah. the, the hidden tape. I knew where all of those were. And I think it was really interesting, too. I mean, I, I, I loved playing it again. I As soon as I talked about the muscle memory, as soon as I started playing again, I was like, God, I did love playing this game. Yeah. And, like, it was still so much fun and as yeah. frustrated as I would get at times because I would fall for no reason. And there were times when I'm like, why am I falling? I should have landed perfectly. Really, like, I just still had so much fun. And I still, it was two minutes of the same songs. And the, the playlist is not nearly long enough if you play this game for too long a time period. Yeah, agreed. Because <laughs> it gets really repetitive. But at the same time, I still sang along every single time certain songs came on. And it was really funny. I was watching one of your playthroughs. And we both mm. started singing at the same time because we both started singing along with the song. <laughs> what, is, what is your favorite song from that soundtrack? So, I mean, I think I, Goldfinger Superman was definitely the game that not only stuck out to me the most, it was something that popped up. People were like, what is the theme song of Tony Hawk Pro Skater? It's Superman. No, it's not. But it's always Superman, that's yeah. that's the song you think of. But <laughs> that's I the one that I would think so. that stuck out to me the most that I remember it popped up just randomly in one of my playlists literally like a couple months ago and I was like oh my god this mm -hmm. is from Tony Hawk it was New Girl oh is that uh, that's Suicidal Tendencies Suicide Machine the Machines you're right you're right you're right thank you producer Kyle but that was probably the song that every single time I was like I got myself a new girl yeah and I just I, I don't know <laughs> like that was the song and that was the song actually I started singing along to at the that's same time one. you did and it was just <laughs> no so Superman is definitely producer Lisa's favorite song yes I think my favorite song is is the Ernie's one, Here and Now. Oh, I do like Here just, and Now. I don't know why, just because it just it just jams, man. It's even if it's that silly like 311 rap rock. Also, I noticed that they censored a whole bunch of the um Dead Kennedy's song yeah. 
which was weird. Also, they censored the blood. Did you? That was so weird to me. Like, and so in. Oh, wait, no. Sorry. I'm totally talking about the remake. Yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah. When you hit the ground in the original, you bled you everywhere. Bleed. Because to be fair, that's real life. If you hit the ground, as producer Kyle now knows, you bleed. I said, just ask producer Kyle. I say that and I'm pretty sure I've got at least a couple scratches from, from getting on my board again. But not nearly as bad as producer Kyle's. It was his first time. Again, the feel of the game, it felt... It, it, it's why I felt like I could be a skater even though I never skated was because the game made you feel like that like the game you talk to people who actually skated and it had the feel it had the tone I think the influence Tony Hawk had personally to and the, the you could tell the developers loved skating themselves and they they put that oh, yeah. into the game and I just I still had a lot of fun I got really frustrated but I still had so much fun playing this game it was, yeah, it was just a blast to just fly around. And even if it wasn't, it lacked a lot of the features of the future games. It wasn't like even kind of going back to play it again. Like it was frustrating every once in a while to not have a couple features, but it was still just fun to play. Like it's, it's, it's not like going back and playing the original Assassin's Creed, which just feels borderline unplayable compared to Assassin's See, Creed 2. I was really worried about that for this game because even though, it, even yeah. though we, we, I, I played through pretty much like 80% of the main campaign before I tried the remake. I say campaign. 80% of the game before you know doing the remake. Yeah. I was really worried that I was going to remember too much from the later games and be like, oh, I just can't because it just doesn't feel playable anymore. It's just not true. It still was so much fun. It was still super playable and super it fun. Was. And I just, yeah, I had a, a lot of fun. And I think that's a, a good segue into the remake. We will kind of, you know, we'll briefly cover the remake. The non-existent plot is the same. The levels are the same. It is a remake. They redid it. What they did add was they added extra challenges. So there's more than five challenges per level now. Um, so you had more tapes to collect. They added some some extra fetch quest type stuff. So like you had to get a bunch of extra items typically that were spread out over the game. Yeah, and they added another point, as Chris kind of said, yeah. is they added a third point level. So it went from high pro to sick because you can because you had the combos now you could revert and manual you could get much higher point levels i want to point out that i was right in our rose to detection that they 100 percent brought in later mechanics into the first game you didn't think they would i was right i was i was so pleasantly surprised when i started playing i did not give them enough credit because i thought they were just going to do the slapdash upgrade the graphics and move on with their lives but they legitimately i think i read somewhere they like picked up a bunch of the code from neversoft yeah. and literally like rehosted it in the unreal engine with a bunch of new features yeah, they, and again they added all the challenges they which incorporated some of those new features i thought the other thing that was really interesting was not only did you have to find a gap or something like that but they incorporated specific tricks which i thought was really interesting so it yeah. was like you had ollie a car they also fixed the downhill levels that you couldn't accidentally end them if you got to the end point right threw you back to the start you just started over again yeah which was i had totally forgotten about but I think some of the newer games had something similar. So it's just like, oh, that's a nice, pleasant surprise. And obviously they made everything prettier. Yeah. Uh, it was weird seeing like the, the warehouse and the mall went from just kind of barren to they made them look like super derelict. 
so I thought that was really interesting. I wasn't sure, and I still am not sure why they did it, whether they said this was the explanation all along for why these spaces were available to you to just yeah. do it, or if they literally like, no, no, this is the exact same mall. This is just 20 years later, so it's all derelict and stuff like oh, that. Oh, that's fair. I don't know which it was. <laughs> that one, the ladder. The, I think the, it's the latter. The latter is actually really clever. And it, I don't care. Yeah. I like both answers. Yeah. I like both answers of this is the explanation for why. Because that was kind of a criticism of the game that was a silly criticism, but like things like there were no people in the cities. You'd go to San Francisco or Minneapolis and there were no people there. There were cars that would hit you in Minneapolis, but that's about it. Producer um, Lisa is busy putting together a smash cut of all the times that both of us got absolutely wrecked by cars. Dude, those cars were just brutal in that game. That was a fun thing they and did. And so much worse in the remake. Well, I was going to say it's a fun thing they did between the remake and the original was in the original, they were clearly just like on a rail. So they would just like make a 90 degree turn. And when they oh, that was they great. put that in the, in the remake, they at least made them like kind of tail slide around. So like it still well, looked like I they mean, were on the same track, but it like yeah, at least looked slightly believable. You were saying the same thing in the video that I'm watching right now. That's weird. But overall, the remake, it basically lived up to everything I wanted it to. Oh, yeah. It, it paid beautiful homage to the original game. It brought in the things the original game was missing without making it feel wrong mm -hmm. that they updated it. The graphics were great looking. It was great to see how clean everything was. I liked the updates, like the dilapidation of the mall and stuff. There was just some really, really cool, fun elements. So a lot of fun. I think, though, it's time to talk about scores, Chris. So you originally gave a rose-tinted score of 9 out of 10 for the original game. What is your actual score for the original game now that we've played it again? I honestly think even in the standard of games today, especially because there's not a lot of skating games today... Even against the newer games, I'm still going to give it a seven and a half because there were a bunch of features that it didn't have, but I honestly also think that it was a little bit more forgiving with landing tricks, oddly enough. Like, you could be slightly off-center and it would give it to you and that the new games didn't, and that, that was just my thought, my take on it. So even if it didn't have a lot of stuff that the newer games had. I still enjoyed... Darn it! I'm gonna say I enjoyed the heck out of it! <laughs> I still loved playing the game, knowing that it was flawed, which is why I'm still gonna give it a, a seven and a half. So then, with all that in mind, what do you give the remake of... I mean, you can incorporate two because they basically made them one massive game, but really try to focus on one of the remake. What do you give the remake? I'm gonna give it a nine and a quarter, and I hate giving decibel scores but i think it was really good with the new engine so it's the old game with all pretty much all the new features minus the weird stuff from underground and american wasteland where you could run around and do front flips and parkour but it was the old game rehosted with everything new added a bunch of stuff i'm gonna give it a nine and a quarter because you know i'm a jerk to be fair, there were times when I was playing both versions of the game that I'm like, just get off your board and walk! I ah! <laughs> would make this so much easier. I would make it so much easier at times. All right, so Katie, what about you? You gave it an 8 out of 10 uh, in your rose score. What is your, what is your score now? I'll tell you what your predicted score is afterwards. 
so I, I think I agree with you. I think I just, I really had a lot more fun with this. I wasn't as frustrated with it as I thought I was going to be. And it, it definitely didn't degrade in enjoyment as much as I feared. And so I definitely think I'm going to give it a seven and a half as well. I think I gave it a six as both of us gave it a six and our predicted, predicted we were yeah. both wrong. Pleasantly, pleasantly surprised that we were wrong. Yeah. And for the remake, um, I probably would get it a solid nine. I I just, I had a lot of fun. Again, it brought in the mechanics from later games that really it needed in the first game. It still felt really authentic to the original game and the things that they changed, I really appreciated. I thought they added value to the game. Um, so I just, I really I had a lot of fun with this, the remake even, and I thought they did a great job of the remake. So well done. So not only would you play the original, but would you suggest people to go out and try the, try the new one the remake yes i would absolutely say pick up the remake one and two i think with the remake you could just go and play that because it's it's the first game but better in every way and you're not losing anything by not playing the original yeah i think definitely go out play the remake it's so much fun especially if you enjoyed the original game but i think even if you didn't enjoy the original game i think you know producer kyle hadn't played the original game and not only did he enjoy playing the original i think he really enjoyed playing the remake as well so this isn't even a game that you had to play the original to enjoy i think you can just enjoy the game it is a a lot of fun there was a reason this was considered one of the best skating franchises for a long time before it fell apart yeah i think i think we had a lot of fun play the game Go out and try skateboarding if you're wearing protective gear and not hurting yourself. Because, you know, it's fun, I guess. At least a helmet and wrist guards. Those are the two important ones. Helmet and wrist guards. Don't break your wrist for it. So, so Katie, what what is our next episode? <sighs> so, <laughs> I alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast. We try to pick games we loved. We picked a game we remembered, but is a classic. And so we thought we'd cover it again. Spoilers, we've already played some of it. It's Echo the Dolphin. This was supposed to be like episode four. We keep putting it off. And we keep putting it off because we don't want to play it. So. But we're going to do it. Episode nine. Episode Episode nine nine is going to be Echo the Dolphin. Darn it. Doing Echo the Dolphin for the Sega Genesis. (laughs) If you liked this game, we will try to do it as much respect as possible. Join us for streams. Yeah, so that'll come out in two weeks. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. Please leave us those five-star reviews. Talk to us on social media. Join us while we stream and harass Chris and I as we suck as Echo the Dolphin. You know, we want to interact with you. Definitely join us. We do coast-to-coast co-ops once a week, normally on Tuesdays. Every once in a while that will change, but it's mostly on Tuesdays. That's where we get both producer Kyle and producer Lisa, as long as the two of us involved so it's all it's it's the whole games we grew up with crew playing together at the same time yeah most of the time it's a lot of fun again talk to us on social media you can find us everywhere at gwgw show instagram facebook twitter twitch find us hang out with us talk to us leave us those five star reviews we're not begging we're just insistently asking asking politely so on that note thank you again for joining us uh wrap things up so say goodbye chris goodbye chris bye everyone freaking kids get out of the street we forgot to thank producer kyle and producer lisa
We'll survive. Come. Shall we stop recording? <laughs> yes.